0: Good day, Shoreline City, y'all ready for a good day? Can I just say, I love that we have a church that just celebrates like this. I mean, y'all are bonkers, okay, and I love it. It's, I love that this is our culture, that we just celebrate people. So uh, thank you so much for coming today. We're really excited today. I'm praying that God does something special in your heart and in your life. But before we jump to the Bible, I do want to honor our pastors really quickly because... We have the best pastors on the absolute planet. I am 100% convinced. And I also know that this is their platform. I mean, obviously it's given to them by Jesus, right? And, but this is their platform. And so um, us up here speaking, I know I can speak on behalf of all of us. I just want to say thank you so much for trusting us. And we love you so much. And we're really excited about today to get to the share. Okay, y'all ready for some Bible though? Y'all ready for some Bible? Okay, y'all, we're going to be jumping in on Acts chapter 10, okay? Go ahead and turn your Bible, Acts chapter 10. I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing, okay? I really wanted to read this entire chapter, okay? But I only have eight minutes up here, and I'm not that fast of a reader. So I'm going to do a lot of paraphrasing to catch you up, okay? So strap yourself in and get ready because we going, okay? Acts chapter 10, okay? What's happening now is the apostles are now spreading the gospel all throughout Israel, especially and almost exclusively amongst the Jews. But now God had told Peter that the gospel is now to go to all of the world, right? He said, go into all the world. So there's this moment of friction. And God is like, come on, y'all, all, the whole world, the whole world, the whole world. And, but they're just going to the Jews. And so now Peter is praying one day, Acts chapter 10, you can read it yourself. He's praying one day, and he gets this crazy vision. Like this sheet comes down, and there's like these animals on it. And they're like, Jews don't eat those kind of animals. And Peter's like, what is this, Lord? No. And God's like, eat these animals. And Peter's like, I would never eat something unclean, God. And then God's like, this is so dramatic. I'm sorry. but. And then God is like, don't call unclean what I call clean. And he sees this vision three times, and then he's out of it. And it says, I believe, in verse 17 that Peter's like wondering, what was that? God, what are you trying to explain? What are you saying to me? Little did Peter know is that right, about, right before this, there was a guy, uh, there was a centurion, okay, his norm- name is Cornelius. And God had spoken to Cornelius and said, hey, Cornelius, I want you to go to this house. There's a man named Peter there, and I want you to invite him to our home, okay? So now here's this moment of converging. If Peter has this vision and he's wondering, what what is happening here? What's going on? And then you have this moment. Now, Simon's crew and Cornelius' crew walk up and they say, Hey, Peter, can you come to our house? Can you come to our house? I just want to say that in this moment, it was actually the invitation that gave clarity to what God was speaking to Peter. And I don't want us to discount invitations, okay? Invitations will give clarity to what God is speaking to individuals' lives. I know when I was invited to church to Shoreline City, it looked something like, hey, yeah, man, I had a cookout. I went to this cookout, and there's this guy, he's getting ready to plant this church, and he seemed really cool. He's tall, I think he played basketball. I think you'd really like him. You should go check it out. That was the invite for me. And I came to Shoreline. And my life has been changed because of it. There is power in invitation. So now Peter comes, okay, Peter comes. And he comes and now he's going to Cornelius' house. This is where we're going to pick up in verse 34, 38, okay, 34 through 38. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him. And does what is right. I just want to make sure that we're a church that doesn't show favoritism, but they realize that God is calling all people to Himself. And he goes on, he says, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all under the power of the devil because God was with him. Here we are, we're getting ready for 2020. And as Pastor Earl was introducing us, he was like, hey, I want you to get your heart ready. I want you to get your mind ready for what God has for us in 2020. Because we're going to be doing some things this next couple months to prepare ourselves for what he has for us. Now, we as a church, we have something that we like to call the 12 stones. Like, this is our culture. It's kind of, it's who we are. And one of our stones is that we lead like champions, and I just feel like for what God has for us in 2020, we need to lead like champions. Because here you see Peter. He's going to a room full of Gentiles. Jews did not do this. I mean, if you read the text, Peter, Peter is basically saying, oh my gosh, I don't even know why I'm here. God, I'm not, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be here. But like I think you have me here. So I'm here. And he just preaches the gospel to them. And the Holy Spirit just floods the place and everybody gets saved. It's amazing. It's amazing. But you see Peter leading in a place unexpected. And I think for what God has for us in the next year, and in the next few months, I think we need to be prepared to lead in the unexpected. We need to lead like champions. It says under our 12 stone, we lead like champions. That our confidence and our competence is not based in ourselves, but instead it's actually based in the glorious victory of Jesus Christ. It's not about you. It's all about him. And we have to be prepared to lead in the unexpected, like, do you remember the first moment? Do you remember the first moment you had to get muster up all the courage you had? you remember that? I was 10 years old, okay? I remember this. 10 years old, I started mowing yards for money, okay? Cash money, okay? I don't know what a 10-year-old needed with money, buy more matchbox cars, but I was mowing yards, okay? I was mowing my next-door neighbor's yard. I don't remember his name. I think it was Denver, Okay, and I remember going to the backyard and the grass was he hasn't he hadn't mowed his yard in weeks and the grass was like this tall. Okay, I'm 10, you know, like I'm pushing a lot more like this. Okay, like it's above my head. I'm like, and I remember the grass being so tall. And being like, oh my gosh, what if there are snakes in it? Like, what if there's a raccoon or a squirrel when you're when you're mowing a, a yard? Like the, the propeller, it could shoot anything at you. Like, what if I hit a rock? Okay, it hits me in the face. I'm only ten. I don't want to die. You know, like I'm just. The grass was insanely tall, and then I started like going bit by bit, and zzz, zzz, you know, kind of zzz, working my way. Zzz, 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 zzz. And then all of a sudden, my mind started to wonder, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm a hero. This is where my 10 year old brain, all the ladies are gonna love me. They're gonna write letters about me in the newspaper. I mean, like, all the wives in my hometown are gonna be like, Thank you for coming and saving me. My husband wouldn't mow the backyard, but you're so brave. A 10 year old, my 10 year old brain. <laughs> but as you see, I was like, I had to muster up the courage bit by bit. Bzz, bzz, bzz. I just feel like this is what God is going to be calling us into. Like we have to lead like champions. There will literally be times I will look at myself in the mirror. When I'm about to walk into a difficult meeting, and I will say, Eric, you lead like a champion. Eric, you lead like, come on, this is your DNA. This is what you're a part of. Come on, Eric, you lead like a champion. And I just feel like what God has for us, we're going to have to break through some ceilings. And in our families, we're going to have to lead like champions in our friendships. We're going to have to lead like champions in our church and our community. We're going to have to lead like champions. It looks silly for a little boy to be afraid to mow grass. So I don't know what that next step is for you, right? Like it may be like giving somebody a cold cup of water. It may be giving a high five in the lobby. It may be leading a connect group. I don't know what the next step is for you, but I do know that we are called to lead like champions. And what God has for you is gonna cause some courage to rise up in the inside of you. Are y'all ready for what God has for you this year and next? I'm gonna invite up Andrew. Andrew, come on, take it up, take it up, take it up.
1: Wow, that was so good, Eric. Oh, my gosh. Literally one of my favorite of the 12 stones is we lead like champions. It's who we are. It's part of our DNA. Um, Actually, what I'm wanting to share about a little bit is actually in the same vein of what kind of what Pastor Er, Er, Earl shared. I can't even talk, guys. I need to be able to talk. Uh, How Pastor Er, Earl shared on the screen just a minute ago um, about that God is getting us ready for something. There's preparation happening. And uh, I believe this next connect group season is, is gonna be vital for our church. I believe what God wants to do in your heart, in my heart, in our connect groups is gonna be part of that preparation that Pastor Earl is talking about. And so I wanna talk a little bit about some 12 stones that kind of back that up, to kind of get us, get us in that same groove. So we're we getting ready, get 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 ready. Right? I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't, I don't got enough in me to pull that off. I can't do that. Um, but uh, I, I want to talk to you guys about this idea in Romans uh, chapter 12. You can turn with there with me if you will right now. And then also, we're going to be talking about we fight for surrender. That's one of our twelve stones. We're going to talk about how that we are planted in church. That's who we are. It's part of what we, part of our DNA. And then also we give honor. So we're going to talk a little bit about this in this passage here in Romans twelve, um, starting in passage, uh, verse verse number three, uh, because of the privilege and authority God has given me. Paul is talking to the Roman church. And he is, he, is, he is calling them out. He's he said, hey, guys, I need you to listen to me. This is important. I give each of you this warning. Do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluations of yourself, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have, been, have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. And this is really the heart behind Connect Groups as we get ready for 2019, as we get ready for all that God has for you and all God that has for me and us getting prepared for this beautiful work that that we're we're believing is going to happen as we're getting our hearts ready for that. Next week actually is Connect uh, season launch. We're going to be doing Connect Groups next week. So Pastor Earl is going to bring us a message on the heart behind Connect Groups. But I want us to be ready this morning and this week for some of the things that hold us up from being in a connect group, some of the things that hold us up from, from, from being able to fully engage in this beautiful community we call Shoreline City Church. You all with me? Okay. So, so and just a few uh, passages down, it says in, in verse 9, don't just pretend to love each other, really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I really believe there are three things here, like, just like our three stones that Paul is trying to get across to us that, to prepare our hearts for this next Connect Group season launch that's coming up. I really believe there are three main things. He talks about in the very, very beginning in and, 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 and and, uh, verse 3, he says, um, you actually need to evaluate yourself correctly. He says, I, I, you actually need to humble yourself and realize that you aren't actually able to do this on your own. And I think this is some of the things that we struggle with. When we think about being involved in a community, we think that, you know, I'm good, it's easier. I've been hurt before. I've seen this before. I've been here before. And we think that, you know, it's just easier to do it on our own. And I think Paul is challenging us to, hey, you need to humble yourself. You need to actually fight for surrender, What's your posture like this morning? Are you closed off? Are your arms folded? Maybe not physically, but in your heart. Is God trying to pry those arms apart? Is he trying to say, hey, there's some people here this morning that have some stuff inside of them that you need inside of you. And they've got, you've got some stuff on the inside of you that, that you need to share with some people that, that you're going to be in group with next season. But we fight for surrender. The next thing he talks about here in verse 5, he says, you belong to each other. I thought this was so um, strong. and really convicted me. And I I was thinking, like, what is my fear? What's my holdup? What's the thing that keeps me from being okay with belonging to someone else? What's the thing that kind of, like, that holds me back from that? And I think it's because for most of us who are over the age of 16, for most of us, um, we've had some experiences with human beings. And we've had some things that have happened in our real lives that are real stories that are difficult and they actually sometimes educate the way that we open up and share and let people in. So when we say be planted in church, sometimes I believe that God is calling us to repent of some of the things we're holding on to so that we can actually be planted. I, I'll tell you a quick story. I, I, was, um, I, I was actually pastoring in Guatemala. My, my, our pastors had sent my wife and I there to help plant the campus there in Guatemala, and, in Tigua, Guatemala. And um, I was preaching on forgiveness, and I got down and I sat down. And I felt pretty good about it. I felt like, hmm, I felt good. I did good. I was, I was good. I, I laid it all out, left it all on the field. That was good. And uh, as soon as I said that, um, the Lord convicted my heart so crystal clear that he was just like, um, yeah, well, if you're going to preach about that, you need to forgive your dad. And I was like, well, hang on. <laughs> he hurt me. <laughs> and so there was a, I remember the situation, exactly remember it crystal clear, the situation that happened in my life that divided me from my dad, that didn't allow me to be in community with my dad. I had actually put walls up, and I was just waiting for him to come to me and apologize in the right way and the way that I expected him to apologize and come towards me, and I was going to stay on my side of the issue until he came towards me. And so here I am in Guatemala, and God is make, helping me to realize that I need to get a plane ticket, and I need to fly back to Dallas, and I need to connect with my dad. And the way he told me to do it was not to go to him and say, Dad, you've offended me. You've wronged me. You've done something incorrect and in the way you've handled me. He actually, he act, the Lord told me to apologize to my dad for holding something against him. And that was hard. But I feel like there's some things that are holding us back from what God has us. The beautiful community that is at this church, the God that is holding us back from being able to do that. And I think God this morning is telling us to repent. I remember us sitting at Liberty Burger, tears streaming down my face, tears streaming down his face. As I said, I apologize for holding something against you when God didn't hold my sin against me. We need to be planted in church. And then the last one is we give honor. We give honor. This is, this is vital, guys. This is beautiful. He actually says this uh, in the very last part of uh, this, this passage. He says in Romans 12, verses 9 and 10, he says, uh, don't just pretend to love each other. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. To delight in honoring each other. What does that really mean? I, 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 I'm curious uh, if you had that same question as you hear that. What does it mean to take delight to honor each other? And I think it's interesting because actually, um, actually the, uh, the, the, this word honor here means to value, to assess correct value for someone else. And I think sometimes they're one of the things that makes it difficult for us to be in connect groups, be in community, to be with other people, is that we don't actually value what they have to offer into our life. We have a hard time showing correct honor because we kind of think we got it all together. We kind of think we got it all figured out. We kind of think we, we actually don't need anybody else speaking into our situation. But let me just encourage you with this, um, that, that, that actually there are some things, some blind spots that, are, that you have both good and bad, some areas where you don't realize that you are actually strong and areas you don't even realize that you are weak. It's not even just that you have blind spots that are negative. You have blind spots that are amazing. That because of the lies and the things that you've actually heard all your life and from your co-workers and from your family, that you can't believe those things. And, and, and so what happens is we isolate ourselves to protect ourselves and God is saying, no, 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 that's the opposite of what you need to do. Love each other with a genuine affection. Open up those arms. Open up that heart. Let people speak into that thing that's on the inside of you. And God God is saying that that is how we live a, a, an honor-filled life. I want to invite Pastor Ben Stokes up real quick. Love you
2: guys so much. Thank you so much, Andrew. Uh, before I jump on, I do. I was like, man, I'm time crunch, but I got to do this. I was reading in John chapter 17 this week, and uh, this is right before Jesus is going to the cross, and and uh, he starts praying prayers of, uh, uh, Lord, be with my disciples. Protect over them. Watch over them. May the world not corrupt them. I pray for all the people that are going to receive their word. And as I'm reading this, I'm literally thinking, that's our pastors. It's our pastors right there. No matter what storm they're going through. See, to me, I would be like, Jesus, get me out of this situation. I'm about to go through something that there's no, I don't know how I'm going to get through it. Our pastors are constantly praying for you, praying for me, praying for people they don't even know. I'm telling you, this is a good, good place. We love you so much, so much. Uh, I've got two kids. I've got a beautiful wife. She's back at the North Campus. But uh, my two kids, my two kids, I don't know if anybody can relate uh, to me, but there's a word whenever it's announced in the house, like, uh, uh, they turn into sloths with excuses, okay? Okay. I announced the word bedtime, and everything is slow motion in the house. They were running towards the ice cream. They were running everywhere else, but now bedtime's coming up, and it's like my pinky hurts, and my tummy hurts, and all of this crazy stuff that's happening. I don't know if you uh, can relate to that. If you have kids, or maybe you have a dog, and tell the dog to do tricks, and you have friends over here like, watch, watch, watch what my dog can do. And he doesn't do it. I got, I got two dogs, okay? I got two dogs. It's a true story, all right, what I'm about to tell you. I got a boy and a girl golden doodle. My boy, they both know what treats are. I can tell my boy, hey, you want a treat? And he comes over here and already starts going through the motion of all the tricks that he knows. I don't even have to say shake. He's already speaking, shaking, laying down. Now, Sadie, on the other hand, Sadie, the girl, she's just sitting there looking at me like I'm crazy. Like, I, I'm serious, uh, Sadie, shake, no. Nah. I feel like she's literally telling me like, no, I'm not stupid, can keep doing it, but I give, give me the treat. I literally now, you can ask my wife and my kids, I say, Sadie, just stand there and look at me crazy. She wags her tails and I give her a treat and she's like, God bless, fill up my bowl. What is, what's going on here? It's true. Maybe you can relate to that, but sometimes I feel that uh, uh God is up in heaven and he 's kind of saying the same thing, doing the same thing. hey, will you do this for me will will you go to the nations? will you go to your neighborhood will you, will you go to the streets? will you go to the business and we're like, hey, who are you' talking to what God come on you you know my calendar like i can't I can't do that right now come." I mean, you know what's happening in my life. I messed up as it is. I messed up too, by the way. I messed up as it is. Are you sure you would actually do this? If you got your Bibles, I'm not, I'm not going to read it, but uh, Numbers 4, 15. Numbers 4, 15. I'll paraphrase what's happening here. Is This is a, a message from God to Moses. He's giving him specific instructions on how to carry the presence of God and the ark of God. Literally, it's beautiful. It's, it's, you gotta, you gotta put a cloth over it because everything is holy. And I need four guys to carry this ark of the covenant, this presence of God. And you might step back and think, oh man, God's kind of conceited. He has all these rules just to get him moved. No, because I know for me how I can treat something if I'm in the presence too long with it. I'll tend to throw something off the back of the room, and I'm like, hey, it's, everything's good. I'll see you next week. But he's like, no, no, no. I, 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 want, I have special instructions for you because i need you to see that this is pure and holy that i am the god who put breath in your lungs i am the one who created you i am the one who has called you i am the one who created the heavens and earth i have these special instructions but we'll mess it up sometimes i know i will we'll mess it up turn to second uh, samuel 6 3 through 7 real quick they said they set the ark of god on a new cart And brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, I don't know if I'm saying their names right, but sons of Abinadab were guiding the new cart with the ark of God on it. And Ahio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel was celebrating with all their might before the Lord with castanets and harps and lyres and timbrels and sistrums and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the Ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died beside the Ark of God. You might be reading this, you're like, oh my goodness, man, like this is intense. God's not gonna strike you dead, okay? He's not going to do it. But as I'm reading this story, let let me give you a snapshot of what I see. There were specific instructions handed down on how the presence of God was to be carried, and now David needs to transport the t- presence of God. The house, the Ark of the God, Ark of God, was in this person's house, and I'm wondering if he became too familiar with it. When it first entered the house, it became, "Oh my gosh, who's your presence?" A few months later, you're like, "Hey, God." See you next Sunday, hey. And now they need to transport this presence of God. This is funny, this is fun. God, we got you a new cart. We got you a brand new cart. Check it out. I didn't, I didn't ask for a cart. Hey, we're dancing and singing for you, Lord. Look at them all. They're dancing like crazy and it's amazing man, thank you so much for dancing and singing for me. Keep doing it. It's not my instructions. But God, we got you a new cart. I like how the author gives it two twice. We got you this new 1000 B.C. There's no other cart like it, God. And God's like, no, I didn't give you those instructions. You literally are dragging me through the street with some cows. And I see butts and poop. That's what I see. Where did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong? But I can relate. Oh, I can relate. Ben, Ben, I need you to move back to Dallas to go help plant this church. God, whoa, do you see my car go? Whoa, 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 whoa. I already went away from my past. Look at all that I'm doing here in Austin. No, 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 I need you to go. Lord, you see the extra time that I gave you the other day? I gave you 20 extra minutes. Why are you asking me, Lord? Do you see my new cart? Come on, God, come on. There's gotta be someone else in this room. And God is like, no, there's no one else in this room. I've tapped you to go to Dallas. God, I'm a mess. what he's doing with each one of us he's tapped us on the shoulders he's tapped us on the shoulders i gotta hurry up and get through this second corinthians 5 18 through 19 all of this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that god was reconciling the world to himself in christ not counting people's sins against him and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation look at this look at this look at this this is for you this is for me he's literally tapped you on the shoulder and no longer is the presence of god moving around in the box the presence of god is moving around you you messed up whenever you gave your heart to jesus because now the living god is residing in you and he's telling you i need you to go i need you to go need you to go Woo, something about whenever you get in the word of God and, and and if you ever feel like you're just reading the Bible and it's not burning and it's not moving you towards people towards God I would say you become too familiar switch it up switch it up switch it up but man I got my routine I listen to the Lord I lift your name by on high but 1998 I got my Bible that I read for three minutes and then I got my devotion I've been doing this for six years but I'm not growing. God's trying to do something new in you. God's trying to do something new in you. And he's what he's putting inside of you. You've got to reach the world. We've got to reach the world. There's a couple that comes up to north, I'm almost done. There's a couple that, come, that came up to north and, and uh, uh, several months ago, they, uh, Denise calls me. I got permission to, uh, to uh, share this. She calls me up she says, Ben, my marriage is done. We're getting a divorce, and I'm literally calling you as my last hope. And I'm sitting there thinking, so you're telling me that what I say to you right now determines on whether you get a divorce. Tricked you. This is Ben's answering machine. Leave a message after the beep. Beep,. Bleep. I didn't do that. <laughs> my flesh wanted to do it. But literally, what came up on the inside of me? I'm not worthy. But God tapped me. I'm the carrier of God's presence. I'm the carrier of God's presence. So I said, hey, hold on. Hold on. Me and Casey are coming and we sit down with them and we're spending hours with them and we're telling them, hey, this covenant that you have between yourselves and with God, do not let go. Here's the beautiful thing. Here's the beautiful thing. He comes up to me a couple of weeks later, and I'm telling you, their marriage is beautiful now. They're still fighting the good fight, but the, the transformation that's happened in their marriage, they come up to me and they said, hey, 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 I had a coworker. I had a co-worker who said he's getting a divorce. I said, no, 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 I got to meet with you. I got to meet with you. And I literally said everything that you told me, and I put him on a grow track, and I put him on a grow plan. What is that? That's the fire of God on the inside of you saying, I it's not just for me, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm almost done here. Almost literally, 2 Corinthians 3 says that God is up in heaven writing letters, writing a love letter. For who? For the world. For the world, there's a story in 1862 Civil War. This is a horrible time. Nation is divided. September 1862, Robert E. Lee drafts five letters. On these five letters, he gives them to his commanders. In these letters, it gives specific directions, specific instructions on where to go, what road to go down, and how they were going to divide their army into five. Historians say that at this point, Confederates looked like they were going to win. So these letters are sent out. And one of the guys who was supposed to be in the rear guard gets this letter. And he puts it down and walks off. Here comes the Union Army a couple of days later and this guy, just a regular soldier, walks by and he sees three cigars sitting on the ground. He thought, oh, look, man, I, I got me three cigars. This is a bounty right here. And he picks up these three cigars and he sees this letter on the inside of it. He opens up the letter and he's like, oh, my goodness, I, I, I've got something here. I've got something here. I've got, oh, man, I've got something here. And he rushes it to his commander who then rushes it all the way up to the top here it is two guys one letter one man picks it up and reads it and puts it on the ground and rolls out the other guy picks it up and says i got something here and historians say this was what turned around the entire war and helped them give the victory and change an entire nation what i'm trying to tell you is that you are that letter god has written you that don't just put it down there are people on the other side your ask, your prayer, God's presence. We preach the gospel, don't get too familiar where you feel like, oh, that's for the person next to me. It's for us, it's for us, it's for us. If you wouldn't mind bowing your your head and closing your eyes. I want to ask one of the most important questions I could ask is this, Jesus number one in your life. Is he number one in your life? Or maybe you've been playing games and been sitting on the sidelines a little bit and not too proud of the way that you're living. I want you to know that God's not throwing stones. He's not mad at you. He's actually up in heaven with his arms wide open, telling you to come on. And if that's you right now, you're saying, I want to make Jesus number one, just between you and God, on a count of three, I want you to simply raise your hands. Ready? One, two, three. He sees you. 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 He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He sees every single one of you right now. Follow us right now if we would put our hands over our hearts. We're going to say this prayer together. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I admit I have made mistakes, but today I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.